We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 200. Our guest today is an amateur rider at my home barn in Jacksonville, Florida, and I've known her for several years, and I think she is such a wonderful representation of why I love our sport. She is an equestrian that loves her horse and works her butt off to afford all of the expenses that come along the way with being a horse owner. So here to talk about how she balances and budgets for paying for another mortgage on a house, aka paying for board, and all the other expenses that come along with owning a horse, please welcome my friend and our guest today, Jenny Geraldin. Hey, Jenny. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No problem. Amazing. Well, for those of you who don't know... Jenny and I ride at the same barn. She is a wonderful amateur rider. We have known each other for a few years now. I think like four. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we ride together. She helps ride my horses if I am out of town. She is a good, you know, barn friend to have for sure. I just attended her wedding in Bermuda. <laughs> so Jenny, tell me, give me, give me the rundown. Start from the beginning, how you first found yourself in the equestrian world. Well, that takes me back to my days in California when I was very little and in diapers. And my parents owned a farm in Indio. And I told my grandpa that I wanted a pony named Macaroni. So he searched far and wide and found one at the rodeo that was a devil Shetland pony. And my mom would just pop me on that thing and I'd trot around and then plop off. And that was the beginning of my riding career. And I love to just get back on after I fell off. So they knew that they, they were going to be stuck paying for horses for me. So when I was in fifth grade, they decided that they were going to buy me a horse. And my parents are both... CPAs and very financially driven. So they did not get me, you know, a push button. They bought me a horse that they thought was a great deal. Mm -hmm. Um, She was a four, six jumper and I needed like a short stirrup horse. So I learned a lot from her, you know, (laughs) she was not great. She was a great deal because she had some issues. I ended up going to a horse whisperer with her. Um, But in the end, she became a very, very good horse and I learned how to ride her. And then I spent some time at Foxfield, which is a wonderful riding school in California um, that has a drill team where they ride on the wire. And because of that, they get a lot of nonprofit horse donations that are horses that just kind of have some screws loose or some issues. Um, So it's one of the most affordable places to ride in California. And they have a bunch of horses that you can lease. So I ended up leasing some horses that would either, you know, have a stop in them or be rears that really taught me how to ride. Um, And because of that and being able to kind of just get on anything and ride it, I ended up getting a scholarship to ride at Kansas state. And so when my parents kind of sent me on my way at 18 and said, pay for stuff yourself, I was able to ride 
through college Mm -hmm. um, because of the equestrian team. And then in vet school, I stopped riding because I just didn't have the time or the money. And about five years after vet school, I was finally able to buy my own horse, who was a five-year-old with six months under saddle. And he has turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful horse. And that's kind of where I am right now. Okay, so let's rewind. First of all, you are the first person that I have experienced firsthand of riding on the wire. And it is so cool. And I, while you were telling that story, I'm like, oh my gosh, how have I not tried this with you yet? So I need to like I get on Bentley and, and do it because I've never even... I think Mackenzie has borrowed the wire. And yeah. Zoe did the other day too. You need See? to try it. Okay, I need to, we need to plan that. But um, how, <laughs> how did you like, how did you get into that? What is that like? And especially for, um, you know, at the time your horse uh, was, you know, pretty young and you kind of taught it. I mean, I remember when Bentley first got to the barn, he didn't even know how to do lead changes. Like, no, yeah. And so like, you can literally like, you can like jump out of the arena. You can do all those amazing things. You can like jump him on the wire. How did you go about teaching Bentley how to be comfortable under saddle with the wire? Well, when I first tried him, he was just a horse that I felt I could trust. He had a great mind. And so I think I had only had him like a month and I was trying to, you know, I was going out before work sometimes to ride and I just didn't have time to pack him up and clean my tack and do all that. So I started riding him bareback. It probably was like two weeks after I got him. And so he had like six months under saddle in two weeks. And I was just like, you know what? He seems like a real safe horse. He doesn't know very much, but I'm just going to hop on bareback. So I did that. And then I think I rode him like once with a halter on and I have that leather hackamore. So I did that once or twice. And then I found my wire in like an old trunk and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try this. And I think if you if you don't ride a lot off of your hand and you ride a lot more from your leg, you don't worry about not having a bit in their mouth mm-hmm. because you have other ways to slow them and turn them. And honestly, I put the wire on him and he was doing turn on the haunches. Like, wow. it, it's very easy to ride them. I don't know. You just kind of just jump in and and sometimes you'll put it on with like a halter or hackamore the first time and mm-hmm. then you get brave and take it out, take it off. I remember yeah, I when like I it's in, one of those things that you just have to kind of rip the bandaid at some point. Yeah, you do. And I remember I was in high school and Carly Postel got on my horse in high school and she, so at Foxfield, they have like these big fields and she was riding her on the wire. And then she came back to the barn and she's like, Jenny, I just took the wire off of her and I was riding her with nothing. I just, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. you trust a horse, you just do whatever you want. That is so cool. I, yeah. yeah, I definitely, I, that made me think of that. And I definitely need to try that with you. Let's talk a little bit about your experience with applying and getting a scholarship and then riding on a college team. Was that always part of your plan to, you know, when you went to college, were you looking for places that you could ride? Tell me how that kind of all shook out. So in California, which I don't know if they have out here, but we had IEL, which was Interclastic Equestrian League. So I was on an equestrian team in high school for Marymount and I was a team captain 
And so I kind of knew that there were teams out there and I lucked out because my college advisor had gone to Kansas State for undergrad and then she went to Stanford for her master's and she told me she doesn't usually recommend Kansas State to most people that are going to school in Los Angeles. Um, but she thought it would be a good fit. And then I found out that they had a team and they also had an early acceptance to vet school program. So she was like, this is really a school you should apply to. And so once I found that out, I started looking at other colleges that had teams. And unfortunately, Kansas State no longer has an equestrian team, but there are schools out there. And I think I kind of just hit it right at the correct time when you didn't have to have a horse that was going to McClay finals. You just really had to know how to get on anything and ride it. And so I sent a video of me riding. Some of my friends' horses had some of my friends had gone to like Africa. And so they had left me their horses to hack when they were away. And so they said I could take them in a jumping lesson. So I did that and I had someone film. And so I had a film of me riding like a bunch of different horses. And I ended up sending that to the schools that I was applying to that had teams. So I think it was like Kansas State, OSU, Texas A&M and Auburn. And I got scholarships to all of them. So you know, my deciding factor was I knew I wanted to go to vet school. And so I also had gotten early acceptance to vet school in Kansas and I, I loved Kansas. So I decided to go there, but I kind of lucked out because my college advisor had told me that that was an option. So cool. Yeah. And I feel like the dynamic has maybe changed a little bit since we were in college to what it is now. So yeah, it's interesting how it seems like that has changed a little bit as the disciplines have continued to evolve, I think. Yeah, I think it's still a very good test in college for even those riders, just because the way that they score, you get a score on a horse and then the girl from the other team also gets a score on the same exact horse. So it kind of takes out the factor of how nice is your horse and makes it a lot more fair in that regards. I wanted to take a moment to talk about our wonderful sponsor today, The Modern Horse. If you haven't heard of them before, The Modern Horse is a seasonal subscription service which features equestrian life and style products curated for riders, horse owners, and equestrian lifestyle enthusiasts. Their feature product, The Bitbox, is mailed to subscribers each season every three months and contains five to ten products including clothing, beauty, home decor, leather goods, and more, valued at over $250 and sold in a quarterly or annual bundle subscription. As a brand, The Modern Horse seeks to provide products which feature small female-owned businesses, luxury retailers, and upcoming items to provide subscribers with something they will love in each box. So to find out more and to get your first box, visit their website at themodernhorse.com. That's themodernhorse.com. Thank you so much, The Modern Horse. All right, let's get back to the episode. As you were graduating... Uh, when you when you were doing vet school, what did that look like for you as far as your riding? I mean, did you have a plan? What were you kind of thinking as far as what that would, you know, kind of be like for you outside of school? Yeah. So at that point, I didn't have a lot of, you know, money to spend on horses. I luckily have made some great horse friends throughout the years. So I could always, you know, just go asked to hack someone's horse or jump it around, which was very nice. But I was coming, so I grew up in California. I went to school in Kansas and then I came to Florida. So I was coming to Ocala, Florida 
to work on equine and I went to Peterson and Smith for an internship and I literally had no time to ride. I was working probably almost a hundred hours a week. Um, so I did not ride for my first year out of school. And then the next year after that, I found somewhere where I could take lessons. And so I kind of made that work. And then for the next few years, I just took lessons when I could, but at a certain level, it's very hard to find barns where they have horses that you can learn from and, you know, that can do more than just cross rails. So it was a process. I, I knew I loved riding. Riding keeps me sane, but I just couldn't afford to do it until I, you know, worked a little bit and saved up some money. And then at that point when you were ready to, you know, start investing in that on your own, what did that look like for you in your process of finding Bentley? Did you have a specific budget in mind? Kind of what, yes. what, what was I had a like very <laughs> I had a very low budget. Um, Not a I lot of dollars. The unicorn, unicorn dream list. I wanted a warm bed with a lot of chrome and he had to be big because I'm five nine. He had to be over 17 hands. And you know, I love branded warm blood, so I wanted him to have papers and it is not easy to find a horse with all of that. Plus, it was very important that my horse be sound. And I also wanted them to be young so that I could grow with them. Um, so, you know, when your list is that long, you kind of have to give up on all the things like the horse knows how to do a lead change or yeah. the horse knows how to turn. So I ended up finding Bentley on, a, on an online ad and it literally just said 2012 Hunter Jumper Prospect. No pictures. Oh. And I called and they, they thought it was like some backyard bred horse. They didn't think it had papers, but when I pulled up, I saw he had that Hanoverian brand. So I was like, oh no, I know that this horse is registered. I just yeah. got to find, oh. find the papers. Yeah. And I think the thing was he, he's bred to be a jumper, but if anyone that knows Bentley knows, he is like the laziest horse of all yeah. time and super chill. He does not have any fire. Um, and if he does have fire, it's literally for two strides. So he was bought to be someone's jumper horse and he was not wanted for that position. Yeah. So they really just kind of wanted him off the board bill. And when I tried him, he was just, I don't, I don't know. I, I love that horse with all my heart. He's, he's an angel. It started pouring the second day, like pouring down rain. And I thought he would spook, but he just stood there and he's like, whatever. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a horse for me. I'm going to buy him. I'm going to take the plunge and get back into riding. I knew I had waited a long time and tried a lot of horses because it just, it costs so much to keep a horse, whether you love the horse or you're kind of so-so about it. Um, so I wanted to make sure I was going to get a horse that I would love and could grow with and learn with. So I think yeah. a lot of people thought I would never buy a horse, but yeah. I finally yeah. found my dream horse after and trying a time. You bring up a really good point about it's not just the I mean, the initial cost and investment can be daunting, but what really is the the hardest part of owning a horse is the the expenses and the monthly costs after that. Yes, exactly. So, and tell me a little bit about how that was for you, and like this is this was, I mean, essentially your first time really kind of doing this on your own and like budgeting all of that. Yeah, so it was really hard, and I was really surprised to find that board here in Florida was so much more than California because at Foxfield, it was like 500 a month that included board and unlimited lessons. And, um, if you needed to lease a horse, it was like a hundred bucks. And here it's like triple that. Um, 
And so it's kind of like having a house mortgage as having your horses mm-hmm. board each month. I joke yeah. with my husband about that. So I take care of the horse and he can take care of the house. But just trying to budget that was difficult at first. You know, I I lucked out to have a horse that does not need to be in full training. I also have lucked out to have really good friends that can just help kind of hack me or jump me around and, and not to have to be paying for lessons. So that takes out a huge expense, um, but it is something I have to budget in every month. I would say about half of what I make just goes to having Bentley. And then if I want to show, I have to plan ahead for that. You know, I'm, I'm quite frugal. I am always shopping eBay for deals, trying to find everything on sale. Um, I don't have a custom pair of tall boots. I have them off the rack. I, I still use stuff from when I was in high school on my horse today because you take care of your leather. It lasts a long time. It's expensive, but if you love to do it, you find a way. Yeah, definitely. We have had some fun times together at horse shows with Bentley. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about now that, you know, kind of your adult journey and what, what has kind of like shifted as far as your mindset towards horse showing, your goals towards horse showing and what this next year is looking like for you. So horse showing when you're paying for it on your own becomes very stressful to me because it's a huge expense. So I try and limit how much I show to make it so that it's affordable so I don't put too much stress on myself to do well. And I tend to do a lot better when I'm not stressing about it. You know, my dream is to win Southeast Medal Finals, as you know, Bethany. So I'm going to keep doing that. Although, you know, Will wants me to have a human child. I'm going to keep going for that dream. I might be pregnant when I win it, (laughs) but someday I will win. You know, I feel like this year is looking great for that. You know, I I surely hope so. Um, But yeah, you make achievable goals. I don't have goals to go to indoors. I, I just know that that's not in the budget. But I found, you know, WEC is pretty affordable. Grand Oaks has like a really nice unrated I think it's like the USHJA outreach type show there mm-hmm. and then when we have rated shows in Jacksonville I, I go there you know I bought my own trailer so I can take away those expenses at shows I groom for myself I do my horses stall um, all of that helps to make it a lot more manageable and then I have great friends like you that will come along and and help me show and do poultice face next masks with me. <laughs> I, I forgot we did that that one night in the hotel. Oh my gosh. Yep. Just the, the weird things horse girls do. Yep, exactly. Um, tell me about an area of the industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Um, I think the equestrian community knows about this, but I don't know that they talk about it a lot. I think horses are great and it would be so wonderful if it became more affordable so that it wasn't just the upper class that was out there riding if, if you know, other classes could be riding as well. I think horses are very healing for everyone. And I wish there were more programs where it was affordable so that more kids could start riding and adults could start riding. It's great. And I always say that my horse friends are my best friends for life. So I just wish it was more Mm -hmm. achievable for all classes. Definitely. I mean, what would you say are like the possible steps for having that be more achievable for people? 
you know, I don't know how Foxfield made it work, but if you ever have the chance to go there, you, you should, because it's like a one, it's a one of a kind facility. It's mm-hmm. amazing. But I think you have to find a way to, so I think the way that they did it is they got all of these horse donations for tax write-offs for people. And I think that's kind of how the college equestrian world makes it work too. They get a lot of horse donations because horses in general are just so expensive. But if there was a way to have more programs like across the U.S. like that, it does make it more affordable when you don't have to factor in the high cost of horses these days. Definitely. I mean, I think something is to be said about programs like Foxfield and these larger riding programs that offer that, that have the the sense and the organization and the funding for horses like that to just allow people to get their foot in the door and get started with it. Um, yeah. And I also feel like things like like the local shows that we have here in, in Northeast Florida, like Grand Oaks, where it's like this great opportunity for, um, you know, lots of the lower levels and to mid-level people be able to really experience a a great, really a a great show, a really well-run show. I know you and I have talked about this. Like sometimes I enjoy a Grand Oak show more than WEF. Like I I I find more enjoyment going and it's just like more relaxed. It's more fun. It's more inclusive. You And it's run so well. Like you can knock all your classes out and then go to the Grand Oaks bar after. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I feel like. I mean, I feel like for a lot of us, that's what, that's how we make horse showing enjoyable and worth all of the money. Like sometimes, I mean, and I know you've been there, you've been here too, where it's like, you're just so stressed out. I know like we've talked before and you're like, why am I even showing at this point? It's mm-hmm. so much money and I'm so stressed out. I'm, I'm like getting no fun. sleep. We're not yeah. doing well. Like, <laughs> why am I doing this? Yeah. You know me too. I don't, I don't love to show. I'd much rather be riding around bareback or just grooming my horse. That's, that's what I love. So when you're throwing hundreds and thousands of dollars away in, in a week, it's just sometimes right. you question like why it's not even what I love to do. Like I much rather just be at home and just be a barn rat. Yeah. So I think the shows that make it a lot more affordable are, are my cup of tea. <laughs> Definitely. And I think I love hearing that from people because I always, like when I first became a professional, I thought all I wanted to do was show and ride and catch ride and do all of these things. And I'm to the point now that I'm like, you know what? I'm honestly okay if I never show again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I love what I do. I love prepping horses. I love watching my clients show and love supporting them. And it's just so interesting. And I think that there's a lot of people like us that are within the community out there that it's fun. And I really think that that type of person should be celebrated also because there's a lot of us out there that are good to not like, yes. we don't need to show. Yeah, 100%. I tell you, after I win the Southeast Medal Finals, I'm done. <laughs> Putting up the boots. It's going to be and me and Bentley at the barn. You and the wire. <laughs> and we'll go to the beach more. That's about it. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, one of my 2022 list of things to do is to take the horses to the beach. Because we like Lux is invited the beach. on the trailer. We just need to yeah. find a bigger truck to pull it. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe we should do, maybe we should make it a goal to do beach ride on the wire 
I w- I'm down. I'm totally down I, because I mean, you can get the would water wet. Yeah. Oh, true. Okay. That sounds like a great year where it's really shaping up to be a good year. Now you're going to have to have Ethan film. <laughs> right? That's true. Well, that's the other thing. We have to get Ethan on a horse this year. Oh, he can totally ride Bentley. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Will's ridden Bentley, right? No, he hasn't. He's oh, ridden wow. a camel in Egypt <laughs> two weeks ago, but no, he oh, still won't get on Bentley. Amazing. There's so much to be done this year. We don't, even, we don't have to even have time to show. Yeah. Aren't we starting a pickleball group as well? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Wow. There's just, yeah, there's so many fun things. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat a little bit about being the real horse girl you are. I appreciate mm-hmm. the love and all of the hard work that you put into taking care of Bentley and being such a good horse mom and equestrian. So I wish you all uh, much, but I'll I love you, Bethany. I'll, I'll see, see you at the barn soon. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.